0: Hello there, everyone! Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we have actually spent the last seven months traveling all over South America, visiting every single country on the continent. Twelve out of twelve. We just finished the last one, which was why. And now we actually made our way to uh, Central, Nor- uh, technically North America, here in Mexico City, Mexico, and we're exploring this uh, area of the world. Uh, Going to be making our way overland. Mexico into the Yucatan uh, to see uh, uh, you know, playa and uh, that area throughout world. Well. So, uh, make sure you follow us along on our Daddy Blogger World Tour at daddyblogger.com. And as we're traveling, we love you, fellow digital nomads, fellow world travelers, fellow entrepreneurs. And we have one on the show today. Uh, our guest today is actually from uh, the US, but he's not in the US right now. And I'm from Canada, I'm not in Canada right now, I'm in Mexico, a guest is actually in London, UK and Europe and through the miracle of technology we're connecting here. And we're going to be finding out about Travis' uh, Travis's own story of how he became a digital nomad and his passion for uh, travel writing, travel photography and just photography in general and of course uh, speaking as well. And those are the three great ways that uh, you can become a digital nomad and help finance your trips around the world. Uh, so Travis, uh, how are you doing over there in the uh, beautiful London, UK today?
1: Well, I'm cold, but <laughs> still doing well. <laughs> Thanks for having me
0: on here. No worries, no worries. It's funny you mentioned you're cold because I'm in Mexico City and the stereotype of Mexico is as hot, sunny, blue skies all the time. But here we are in Mexico City and it actually can get quite cold. Especially around yeah. this time of year, December, January, and I had no idea I was so. Honored. So uh, we are renting out our Airbnb, and I've been, uh, you know, like uh, covering up with the blankets on all at night. So uh, just a warning if people coming here to Mexico City in December, January, uh, you know, uh, definitely don't just bring t-shirts and shorts. You need to be a little bit warmer than you might expect. That's actually good. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, neither, neither did I. Neither did I. Big surprise for me when I got here, when we got here. Uh, so yeah. Travis, uh, you know, you have an amazing uh, backstory, and uh, you have an amazing passion for travel. Now, I'd love to hear a little bit about it. If you want to share a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'd, I'd, let's, let's go back to, I guess, 2013. I was an assistant teacher in Atlanta and really enjoyed working with high school kids there. But heart of hearts that if I had a perfect world scenario, it would be to live in London travel the world and um, basically kind of had this um, gut feeling that wouldn't go away of saying just to go for it by the summer of next year, anyone would be. I was terrified and um, kind of put it aside until I went under a crazy, bizarre car incident where on the way to shoot a wedding, a um, driver was going under a diabetic coma while behind the wheel, while in motion. And after going plenty a mile um, through traffic and going over bridges and, and passing an underpass and me, like, catching that wheel and putting us into out of harm's way, I realized that, you know, and that helped me to finally have the courage to make the jump and go to London with $300 to my name <laughs> in June 2014 just for the sake of just following my passion. But thankfully, um, over time and just hustling and trying to figure out, like, my own way and following my gut, um, I found a career as a freelance travel journalist. And now I am based in London and traveling all around the world, having all these crazy experiences and living the dream uh, partially and, um, you know, just very happy with life um, by taking that jump.
0: Awesome. And, uh, you know, we've all had these moments where we wanted to travel or we wanted to follow our dreams. And uh, sometimes uh, we don't do it and uh, do it. And, uh, you know, good on you. A uh, big kudos to you uh, for making your dreams come true. I'm curious, why London? Uh, of all the amazing places in the world, is there something particular about London that draws you there? Pretty girl? Is it a city? <laughs> is it uh, the food? Uh, tell us about what drew you to London.
1: Sure. So I guess London was uh, I was a, I guess, um it was a part of my first international experience outside of the States. So I studied abroad, um, my junior, the summer of my junior bridging in the senior year and the program had us in Galway, Ireland for two weeks and London for three weeks. And I love Galway. it's very beautiful. And you know, it was nice to have a first dose of international life and different accents and different food and whatnot. But it was London that just instantly, um, you know, just grabbed my attention and stole my heart. I think it's the, the world-class architecture, the old and new mixed together. It's the proximity to the rest of the world. So we can go to Spain for 30 euros, which is insane. I cannot do that from Atlanta or New York or LA. We'll um, go to Morocco for less than $400 round trip. It's the, um, the music scene. I'm really big into eclectic underground sort of uh, music and London is just incredible for that fact that you cannot be bored here. There is something for everyone in London. So when people say, you know, if you're tired of London, you're tired of life, I'm absolutely like sure of it because there's just so much to do here, so many hidden gems, and it's just so great to continue to explore um, the facets of the city, even though I've been here for the last three years.
0: It is such an amazing city indeed. I actually spent almost a year uh, doing a working holiday in my early 20s there, and that was one of my first international trips, actually. It was my first solo trip uh, that I did without my parents, which was to London and then uh, a backpack around Europe. And uh, uh, it was definitely a huge learning curve, uh, my first international travels. And London has definitely uh, held a very special place in my heart. uh, So I can see why there's a big appeal there to live there. I'd love to uh, unpack uh, your a bit because... uh, you said uh, you had this, uh, you know, the life-altering moment, and then uh, you had this uh, dream to go to London, and you had very little money. And I'm glad you mentioned that element too, because a lot of us who have these big dreams, uh, money is the big obstacle, it's, uh, kind of uh, the wall which prevents us from uh, following our dreams. So mm-hmm. walk us through uh, how you able to come and uh, smashed through the money wall to actually get yourself over there to London, England.
1: Yeah. Um I always say that humans underestimate our ability to figure it out. And so I think, it, I think it really took that near-death experience for me to say, okay, the worst thing that can happen to me if I were to go to London with a little money is that I just go back to where I started. I go back to Atlanta and become an assistant teacher again on an hourly wage I'll be okay. I'm I'm not going to move to London and die all of a sudden, you know? And so that was sort of the... else how I, I negotiated the fact that I was going to take that jump. Of course it's very stressful going to one of the most prohibitively expensive places on earth and trying to make a way, but I think it's a challenge of um, how much you really want it and how much um, I guess, understanding how capable you are of making things happen. So eventually I saw myself, you know, looking for work, um, looking for writing opportunities, looking for photography opportunities. And, you know, it took a a bit of, you know, getting going. But um, nine months later, I made quite a bit of money from photography and, and, you know, was blessed to start my career in travel writing. So there was one, you know, one photography gig where I I made like $2,000, U.S. you know, so it's like, this is good. This is much better than being here with $300, you know. Um, So yeah, just like really just using all my might to fight for what I believed in um, really helped me to survive in London. So yeah.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, definitely very inspiring. So uh, walk us through this journey. Uh, You've been uh, on for about three years in London, as you mentioned. Tell us about the whole business building process because uh, anyone who's an entrepreneur will know it's definitely tough in the early years uh, with the finances, with the mindset, with the lack of support. It can get very depressing and very uh, frustrating and very uh, challenging. So tell us about uh, both the highs and the lows of your business building process, not just in your hometown, but now in this foreign land away from your friends and family, away from the support network. How have you done it? Uh, I'm
1: still trying to figure it out, Ricky. (laughs) Um, I'm still trying to figure out, honestly, um, the discipline aspect of being an entrepreneur. I think that, you know, I wish there was more of a cautionary message for people that, you know, want to become a digital nomad for the freedom, but not realizing that, like, you are going to have to have even more sort of discipline and even more sort of control and, and more um, work really put on yourself. So it's not freedom in a sense that you can kind of just do what you want. It's like, no, you're going to have to really create a a system um, and confine yourself to some things that you probably would not have liked, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's okay. Um, But yeah, so I started with the photography and was looking more into writing. And so as a freelance writer, you, you know have ideas and you have to think about what editors want and what readers want uh, when they read as magazines and websites. And so thinking in that mindset, that's how I pitch editors' content, um, to make sure it's sellable and, 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 it's ca- and catchy. So yeah, so that's how I started to um, uh, make money with the freelance writing. And instead of just relying on one, a website or outlet um, diversifying, so writing for CNN, but also writing for Forbes and also writing for all these other different places, so that the checks can keep coming in. Because of writing, you don't get paid immediately as you submit; um, you might have to wait a month or three. So it's always nice to just continue to kind of churn um, those articles out and have the money come in.
0: And, uh, you know, obviously that's a great way to start off uh, uh, as a digital nomad. A lot of digital nomads actually start off as either travel bloggers or travel writers. Then they, they uh, you know, as you said, diversifying the income streams. So they're not just relying just on the travel writing or just on the sponsored post, but they uh, create maybe online courses or coaching programs. So uh, tell us about um, how you can actually get into travel writing because I think point uh, what would you say to someone who's a newbie who's aspiring who is watching this interview saying hey I'd like to do that uh, what would you tell them
1: Sure. Uh, first and foremost is to pick your niche what sort of travel do you want to write about so are you a, a spa junkie um, are you a foodie um, are you all about luxury hotels are you all about um, you know eco sustainable travel Pick your niche first. Of course, you can diversify later, but you have to start to be known for something first. And then from there, start a blog if you don't have formal writing experience because that's how I was able to progress into um, traditional travel journalism is because I used my blog as, as practice, really, um, for quality, polished articles on everything I wanted to say and experience. And then um, learning the art of pitching, which is very tough. But before you um, learn the art of pitching, you know go find websites where you can you know submit articles and just kind of see how it looks like um, to have your your name, your byline on a website and hopefully have editors' feedback um, talking to you and, and letting you know how to kind of format with their tone and style because it's very different for each magazine or outlet you're trying to write for, so getting into practice of that, you'll be more ready to to. Into the big leagues,
0: and the riches and the pitches. So uh, obviously, you need to do those pitches well. You need to address the right person, have the good uh, of the email. Obviously, you don't want to overload them with too much uh, writing there. So, any any quick tips here about how to do a good pitch to make sure you land uh, these writing gigs?
1: Yeah, there's there's a few components you're going to have to have. Um, Well, one, keep it short. (laughs) Um, If you're trying to do a 500 word article, they don't need a 400-word pitch. Uh, I would say keep it at two, three paragraphs at most. And um, it takes time because you really have, it really has to be um, catchy. It has to be catchy, so you want the first or second sentence to really um, grab the editor's attention. And also include examples. So instead of just saying um, I want to write a piece on um, the top 10 best bars of Barcelona include one of those bars of Barcelona and, and where's place and why it's so great what's a feature that, that um, people would love and add that into a pitch just so you, just so the editors can see that you know your stuff and you've done your research instead of just giving a generic um, a generic pitch and of course uh, make sure you write the editor's name <laughs> and spell check spell check spell check You'd be surprised how editors get, like, you know, um, really bad pitches with bad grammar. And um, you also need to show why you're qualified to write about it. Did you go to the destination um, recently and, and had a press trip and, and, you know, got that experience? Are you from that destination? Did you get an interview? Um, you know, why are you qualified to write about this? If you're trying to write a food pitch, is your niche food? I would, that always helps as well so yeah doing things that you're your experience with and making sure it's catchy and, and well written will definitely help your pictures out
0: awesome that's Some very solid and very practical tips there thanks for those Travis so yeah, we talked about diversifying yeah you've uh, obviously done uh, photography quite extensively travel writing and uh, and now you lately you've been doing a lot of speaking as well so tell us a little bit about the speaking side of your business yeah
1: sure Um, so, you know, I could either just focus on speaking within the travel industry or about the travel industry or talking about motivation and following your dreams and all the ups and downs that comes with that. And I, I can't just do, I can't just do one. So I I do both, um, which diversifies my own brain as well. So I'm starting to talk to um, the travel industry as an expert. Or, or helping um, bloggers in the industry break into travel writing for some things. But uh, one of my real greatest, um, what makes me happy is, is really going into schools and universities and letting these young adults know that's on the brink of following your passion and what it's like to follow your dreams and to be real about it as well. Um, And tell them that it's about like following your hunch and not necessarily what your parents want you to do or what society wants you to do. It's like what's good for you. So yeah, so for 2018, I'm starting to do some um, speaking gigs in some schools here in the UK. I had my first UK um, speaking gig um, in Newcastle, and I've never been before, so that was a cool excuse to go see it up north. Um, um, sharing my story and sharing um, the steps to find clarity and courage to follow your dreams. So I'm hoping to do some more internationally uh, next year.
0: Awesome, definitely looking forward to following your journey. Travis, I totally wish uh, you had come to my school back in the day when I was in elementary and high school because I don't remember any person uh, speaking to our school about, you know, following your dreams and having the courage and overcoming the obstacles and becoming an entrepreneur and traveling the world. I've learned all that uh, definitely post high school and post university. So, uh, you definitely need it, uh, you know, at those very early formative years when people are making those big life decisions at the uh, you know, the end of high school, entering university, I think definitely need more of that. So how do you actually get these gigs? Uh, um, tell us about how do you reach out to the schools, who do you uh, reach out to? Tell us about the process uh, involved in getting these speaking gigs at uh, okay. schools and communities.
1: I use the same process that I use in all of my other uh, ventures, and it's like gather your raw materials. So you know, of course, I had to start somewhere, and if I didn't have speaking experience, so where could I start? So i just start with, like, people that I, I knew, you know, or people that are already speakers, and ask them how to get started, and, and maybe if they know of any opportunities. And, of course, starting unpaid um, to perfect your craft, but, um, but also getting into the community. So in London, I got plugged into the community, and that's what led me to get that gig in Newcastle was because um, I, was, I was on the Facebook group or meetup group with other uh, public speakers. And, of course, they would be the plug for those sorts of opportunities. So, um, yeah, so networking, um, letting people know what you do and not being afraid to share that because it's not just about, you know, me, me, me. It's like you're, you're serving. You know, you're saying that you're a speaker because you, you're really there to serve and, and not being afraid about that. So those are the I think those are the things that's really helped uh, me to start my speaking career and anyone else um, that should help as well
0: yeah, so those are some great tips there uh, Facebook groups, meetups, even things like Toastmasters networking with other speakers and uh, you know just getting yourself out there because you could have the greatest story in the world and the greatest greatest message but if Nobody knows about it. You're not going to get it out there. So uh, great suggestions there, Travis. Uh, so we've talked a lot about the business side of what you do. We'd love to hear about the travels. Uh, you know? Uh, you're know, based in <laughs> London. Uh, tell us about some of the amazing places you've gone uh, since uh, basing yourself over there in Europe.
1: Okay. Woo. Uh, you, got, you got a minute? <laughs> I have been so blessed um, to go to some really exotic places, I must say. Because I specialize in luxury travel writing. So, you know, like this year, for instance, I went to the Seychelles. And, you know, if people don't know what Seychelles is, it's, um, it's like 115 islands off the coast of Tanzania. It's like 1,000 miles off the coast, really remote. And this is where um, the Clooney's honeymoon, this is where Victoria Beckham and David Beckham did their thing, this is where um, Princess uh, Kate and Prince William honeymoon as well. So this is like, you know, millionaire, billionaire playground. And I got to hop on different islands and different like five-star luxury hotels with butler service or whatnot, and some of just the most beautiful beaches on Earth. And that was definitely one of those experiences where I, you just had to, I had to pinch myself. Like, this is my life, you know? Um, so that was really beautiful. I um, also went to Easter Island um, in December 2016. And that was truly special, in this place that seems that no one can ever reach, um, you know, I'm there. And able to also share the practical information if people want to travel, whether um, on a great budget or on a low budget, you can get to Easter Island and, you know, get there and experience truly one of the most mysterious places on Earth. Um, so that was great. I've been to Sri Lanka. I've been to South Africa more times than I can count because that's my favorite country right now. Um, ah, so many places, uh, Argentina and uh, Nicaragua. Um, and it's just, it just keeps going and going. So it's been great. I've only started travel writing for two years, but um, it's been, a, it's been a quite a busy one for sure.
0: Uh-oh. Some, uh oh. Some very remote, off-the-beaten-path places. I like, you know places like Easter Island and the Seashells. You mentioned South Africa. We were actually there, in February of uh, 2017. I absolutely love South Africa. Actually, our favorite country. Oh, more and more people have to go to South Africa. And they love it. So, yeah. South Cape Town. What an incredible city. I know you just posted a video of. Uh, I think a mansion hotel where you did a drone video and all that That was amazing.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's cheap. The food is amazing. Um, great for families, as you said. Um, you know, you get the mountains, which you also get the beach, you get the city. It, South Africa has
0: it all, and good weather on top of that. Yeah, definitely a big kid of Cape Town and just South Africa tourism in general. So, what are some of your uh, major because items still to go you've got a lot of the world but I mean uh, there's a lot more to go obviously what are some of the big items on the top of your list
1: um number one for me right now would be Antarctica because that would be a uh, continent number seven for me so I would love to be in all seven continents um I was thinking about this today like you know I was just like a you know a little black boy you know born in the hood like this is crazy that i already six continents and counting. How great would it be to have all seven? Um, you know, that can be cool for you know, students to, to hear as well. But um, I want to go to Hong Kong. I've been to Hong Kong. And I'm really big on architecture, so I would love to see that. Um, I want go New Zealand would be great. I've been to Australia. I've been to Sydney, but um, I want to see more of Australia, and I definitely want to see New Zealand. And you do like bungee jumping, you know, a thousand feet off a bridge because I'm just crazy like that. I'd <laughs> uh, love to do Brazil. Haven't done Brazil yet. And have had one more, probably Iceland. Yeah, it seemed like a very otherworldly place. So those would probably be the top of my list.
0: Iceland's super hot, uh, you know, so to speak, uh, in terms of tourism right now. I see all of our travel blogger friends uh, posting pictures and videos on there. So that's uh, definitely near the top of my list. And Antarctica is number one for me, too, because I've also been six continent, and uh i always have to say i beat every continent with the exception of antarctica so i don't want to have to keep saying with the exception of so looking forward to conquering that continent off my list as well uh, exactly. so yeah travis uh so tell us about uh, uh people watching here uh, you know they're inspired by what you've done and uh, they just don't know where to start and i ask this question to my guests and sometimes people say the just do it" slogan so besides to just do it, Nike slogan, what tips, advice, uh, suggestions would you give to someone who wants to embark on a career, a journey, adventure such as you are on? Um,
1: I think the first step before just doing it, I I do think there's preparation involved, is to get clear on what it is you exactly want. You know what I mean? And I say for you to get clear, you have to write it down. Write down your goals. Also, write down your fears, write down your concerns, write down your wishes, write down your frustrations of where you are right now. But you writing it down, put it this way, there's, um, it's been scientifically proven through research that um, people that write down their goals achieve their goals more than people that just say it or just say that I'll I'll make it happen someday. So writing down your goals is a way for you to be accountable and, um, you know, kind of helps set you up for you to get to the point where you have to just do it. But getting very, very clear and not worrying about the how, worrying about the obstacles and just saying that this is what I want, and somehow, some someway, it, I can make it happen or you know, life will help me make it happen. And really the confidence is what's key. Because people said that they want to do something, but then they, they, um, counsel, they cancel it with a but. Well, I want to travel the world, but. Um, I want to quit my job, but. So it's about having a confidence that, you know what, I, I'm going to try, I might fail one or 20 times, but I'm still gonna go for it. So I think writing it down and being confident that you can most likely achieve what you want, I think will get you in the game um, further than those that are just have the Sunday dreams.
0: Yeah, you know, the Sunday dreams will never come as the saying goes, right? So, and I love uh, the whole suggestion about writing down because uh, it can just stay up here and then, you know, uh, up here, you're gonna have all the critic, the fear, the self-doubt, but when you write it down, there's so much power to that. Uh, for me, I actually just have my iPhone, and whenever I have these inspirational ideas for business or for travel, I write. I just put it in my notepad and uh, off my off my phone. And when I look back at it, it, like one of my big goals was to visit every country in South America, and it, it seems so lofty because it's such a big continent. But here we are as of 2017, just having completed that goal. And you know, just uh, one of my, our goals was to live in Mexico for some period of time. And here we are on the verge of that goal. And you know, uh, we both are declaring it publicly we want to book Antarctica. And there's so much power in not just writing down, but declaring it powerfully to the world because uh, it will come true because you, you start to believe it more when you're writing it down, when you're declaring it, and when you have other people championing it on and encouraging you. So, solid advice there, Travis. Uh, So I'm curious to know about the whole ethnic minority element of your travels, too. I'm uh, of Indian origin, born in Canada. My wife's actually Filipino, immigrated to Canada. And uh, we love interviewing uh, ethnic minorities, too, because uh, most travelers we meet are not of the ethnic minority uh, version when we're traveling. We don't meet any Indian travelers or Filipino travelers or very many African-American travelers. So tell us about uh, that side of your travels. What are the, the challenges of being an ethnic minority traveling the world? Mm.
1: Uh, I must say for the, for the majority of the time, it's, it's been quite positive, I must say, which is great. Um, yes, there are definitely pockets on earth where when you are not, when, you, when your people are not seen and all they see is what they see on television and what they, and what they listen to in music, you do get um, stereotypes thrown at you um, the way that they you know treat you just never fun, um, and also uh, I must say is it, it, it can be quite frustrating because I specialize in I say like tra- luxury, in places and you I can sometimes sense that people um, feel like I don't belong. It's like who is this you know young black guy here and everyone else is white. You know what I mean? it's, it's annoying, but you know that's that's life. And that's not going to stop me from experiencing the good that the world has to offer, and going to different places, and being the only white person if I have to, in order for me to enjoy um, enjoy the world. And there's been sometimes where um, it, being black was a plus. I will never forget my time in Sri Lanka, <laughs> where um, you know a lot of the people there are dark as I am, but because I was there and they clearly saw I was different from them, you know, as far as facial features, um, they embraced my complexion. And so they celebrated it. And I've just never experienced that before because, you know, I, I feel like the, the black race is sometimes like the bottom of the total pole for a lot of other cultures. So to kind of be in Sri Lanka and um, not be seen as, um, I don't know, as lesser than, but celebrated, I thought that was very beautiful. Um, but other than that, I think people treat me as a traveler, you know, or I think, I think American privilege American privilege definitely helps <laughs> I'd say that much, but um, it's, it's been great traveling while black, I must say
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you, you definitely inspired a lot of people. So in closing here uh, Why don't you tell, tell us about how people can connect with you? They might be interested in uh, the whole writing process the photography side of things the speaking side of the things or any other stuff we've covered Uh, What's your website? What's your social media? Helping people reach out and connect?
1: Sure. So, my website is MisterLevius.com. That's M I S T E R, levius.com. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I hate Twitter, so I'd rather you not follow me on Twitter, but definitely Instagram and Facebook. That's where I'm most active and and willing to and open to answering questions, um, whatever you might need. And um, definitely my YouTube channel. I've just launched a YouTube channel. Uh, fall of 2017, so definitely check that out. We'll be having a lot more content and, and great videos to share on uh, my um, input on life, travel, and pursuit of happiness.
0: There you go, the life, uh, the pursuit of happiness and the happiness of pursuit, both of them. So thanks uh, so much, Travis, uh, for being on the show today. Definitely super inspired by what you're doing, so keep it up, my friend, and we look forward to connecting with you again.
1: All right, thanks so much, Ricky, for the opportunity. And, um, you be safe out there in Mexico City. Sound like you're having a blast.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. And thanks everyone uh, for tuning into this episode. Definitely highly recommend uh, connecting with Travis. I'll have the links below to his website and social media. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you listen to iTunes, they'll be right in the show notes. So thanks everyone for tuning into this uh, inspiring and enlightening interview with our guest today, Travis. Uh, Thanks everyone. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.